commentary for the week, especially if you're one of our geeks and snakes using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run. We're going to help. We're going to do all we can by being in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free. DLC is a show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, the spell with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who conveniently still has a team to root for. In the baseball postseason, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian! Hello, Jeff. Yeah, um, baseball is a dumb sport, and anyone who likes it is dumb. And also, the Astros made it to the World Series, so I can still hate baseball for another week or so. I can watch it and hate it. Man, those dot. Kudos to Atlanta. They had a heck of a second half of the season. They lost some stars early in the year. Um, they made some changes. They bet on themselves, and they played an incredible postseason so far. I think you're supposed it, to bet on yourselves. I think that's exactly why Pete Rose is out of the Hall of Fame. Well, that's my understanding. That was before- but now that's all changed, Jeff. I don't know if you watch sports now. It seems like every ad during sports is sports books. It's like mm, the yeah. NFL's official. Sp- and I'm like, this is weird. But yes, yeah. um, now you can have a team that 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 cheated uh, still be uh, just back in back in the postseason, back in the you know doing doing great. Can't, yeah, that's how forgiveness works. Um, right. Okay, and it's been six five years <laughs> since then. Uh, and they're playing really good ball. So I'm excited to see if the Astros can pull it off. This is an old school NL divisional showdown. Atlanta, yeah. I hate Atlanta from my old NL Astros days. And you brought this up. So I don't feel bad for talking about baseball too much at the beginning of a video game podcast. <laughs> no, that's okay. Well, you know, it is a video game podcast and we got lots of video games to talk about. But uh, the guest that we have on this week, the last time he was on was the night that my 49ers made it it won the nfc championship game and made it to the super bowl uh and i was so, flying high it was it was a it was quite the evening a little so did i know colin kaepernick's gonna get back into the nfl <laughs> uh not anytime soon it seems sadly uh, but that guy though he's doing great things yeah he's doing great things well like i said we have an awesome guest you know the dlc always stands for your downloadable canada and your downloadable christian but this week i'm so excited because once again dlc stands for dispensing lessons in a column because we have actor writer communications coach and advice columnist (laughs) it is joy conjured himself the joy conjurer excuse me the joy conjurer himself mr rich lovejoy is back with us hey rich hello i am pumped to be here and i'm gonna try my hardest to repeat that feat from the last time I was here, and despite the timing being way off and the a different sport being the one that is having a postseason right now, let's see what I can do for the 49ers. Everybody, look <laughs> at your phone right now. Maybe it's happening. I hope. We need to win. We need to win. Oh, we're recording before uh, the Sunday night game against the Colts. We are 2-3 and three, uh, pre that game. I'm hoping we make it back to 500. But, uh, again, not a sports podcast. We're talking... Vigi games and uh let's jump in we got lots to talk about let's start the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories in the world of games you can always submit stories for our consideration 
by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's also where you send comments or questions or reviews that you would like to have on the show. If you want to have a game uh, talked about on the show that we have overlooked, send us your review, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. We also have a subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com with a cool group of people hanging out. Speaking of cool groups of people hanging out, the Discord! 5x5dlc on Discord as well. Participate. Become part of the community. It's awesome. But Rich, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I think the story of the week for me personally is going to be the delays. Uh, Elden Ring was delayed a month. And the reason that I want to make this the story of the week is not because I think that this is a bad thing, but I think that this is actually a really good thing that we should all be comfortable with. Because I I don't know about you guys, but I would much rather have a game come in polished the way that it is envisioned by its creators than I would having something come in hot and buggy. You know, we're, we're in the middle of a pandemic things take time the there is an upside to slowing down a little bit and it's not like we have a shortage of amazing and interesting games to fill that that the gap that we're gonna the the one month of time in the case of elden ring that we're gonna lose I'm, i'm super excited for elden ring and i'm i'm excited that they that actually it's only delayed a month too uh yeah that that tells me it's close and they're just trying to do it right and i think that that's that's the right choice in these times and that we should all chill out there's a lot to do bandai namco looked at the calendar and they went why put out a game in january when you could put it out in february (laughs) and that gap when there's just nothing coming out yeah february is a dead month what's completely happening in that month nothing unbelievable uh originally supposed to come out at the end of january it's now being released february 25th february is going to be a bloodbath and not just because Elden Ring is coming out <laughs> will probably be very violent. Uh, it is, there, there are so many games coming out in February. It is the, the shortest month of the year. And uh, every, ma- it's unbelievable to me. I, I just can't understand why. I agree with you, Rich, that, of course, we've, we've talked about it many times, that we want these games to be finished. We want them to be, as close to bug-free as possible. We want them to feel like ready-to-ship products. But if you're going to delay, I mean, I guess it's everybody just needing stuff to make their quarterly balance sheet make sense. And if the if the fiscal year, the fiscal quarter ends in March, you got to get that thing out in February or, or, or else. But I don't understand how, at this point, any publisher looks at the calendar in February and says, oh, let's put out another AAA game. Let's delay our AAA game. Uh, It makes so much more sense to me to delay Elden Ring beyond February if you need to delay it. Give them even more time to polish and then give your game a little breathing room. Um, But of course, Elden Ring is is not the only uh, game that got an an announced delay this week. Also, Advance Wars 1 and 2, the the repackaging of the old Advance Wars games for Switch, uh, got delayed well into 2022, spring 2022, evidently. Um, so I don't know. What, what's your take, Rich, on this February video game release? I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, a rundown of some of the games that are coming out. Horizon Forbidden West, of course. Uh, that game Sifu, which looks really go- good. Dying Light 2, 
Life is Strange Remastered Collection, Dynasty Warriors 9, Empires, King of Fighters 15, Destiny 2, the Witch Queen expansion. Uh, what am I forgetting? It looks like... Probably like 50 other things, at least, because there's <laughs> there are more games coming out Saint, in February. Saints Row? Yeah, the Saints Row, uh, the new Saints Row uh, reboot game is uh, February 25th as well. Now, Elden Ring, Monarch... Uh, I mean, it is just a absolutely jam-packed, uh, jam-packed month. So, what what's your take on on figure? Like, what what is a a person with only so many dollars in their wallet to do? I think you hit it. You hit the nail on the head when you talked about the need to have the 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 quarterly report come in with the right numbers. I, I think this is a product of a lot of companies needing to show their bottom line as profitable. And it's, I think, to the detriment of some of these games in terms of in terms of when they would be ideally released to reach the most people. But I think what we do as people who consume these things is we kind of try to take the lessons that we've had from these this past almost two years of being in a pandemic. It's okay to slow down and play something that came out a few months ago. And uh, and this is something, when we get into the game section, I'm going to talk about a couple of games that were released a couple of months ago instead of just purely focusing on the, the, the new hotness. Because we're incentivized by the social structures that we live in to, to want the, the, the new shiny object and not to really let, sit with the amazing stuff we already have. So I, I think... You know, I would love all of these games to have more space to find their audience. I think that that would be an ideal situation. We don't live in an ideal world, though. So it's sort of incumbent upon us to, as as consumers, to pick and choose what, what we prioritize in and understand that you can still go back. Uh, it's okay to play something that's two months old, right? You yeah. know, like that's no, absolutely, not you're deal. right. I think that's a good point. You know, it's... Everybody is excited about the new hotness. I am as guilty or more of that than most. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Mr. Newest, latest, best. And I, I get excited about the next big thing. But it's it, it, when things are so jam-packed. I mean, Horizon Forbidden West is coming out one week before Elden Ring. Like, there's not enough time to play that game before this other huge, massive game comes out. And, and Saints Row comes out the same day as Elden Ring. Uh, Sifu comes out between those two. I think Sifu looks really, really cool. Uh, and people are going to be playing Destiny 2 in, in between those as well on February 22nd. Dying Light having just come out. And then March, March rolls around and you've got uh, Gran Turismo 7. You've got, uh, uh, <laughs> you've got Marvel's Midnight Suns coming out in March and Tiny Tina's Wonderlands. Uh, those are big AAA games as well. So, you know, it's a crowded, crowded field. But I think, that, you know, the point that you brought this whole story up with, which is we want these games, we like delays when it means the games are going to feel ready when they come out. Of course, you know, with the example of something like a Cyberpunk 2077, we saw many, multiple delays and that's what we kept saying is we want the game to feel ready when it comes out and it still did not. So sometimes it feels like, oh, delaying a game a month, how much can really get done in that time? Uh, and is it still feeling the pressure of a, uh, a publisher that just needs to get it out for financial reasons, not because the product is ready? Uh, Christian, one of us predicted all of this. 
Okay, I don't. I don't remember which one it was. Uh, oh, right, me. You me. swung too big. You swung for the home run. You swung for every game, Jeff. You're every never going to get it right. You can, Name you one that hasn't been delayed. Name one. Metroid you Dread. You can't. Metroid, Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread was, was delayed, delayed 19 years. Obi, Obi, it wasn't. It, never, it was not <laughs> from announcement to release. There are several games that were Death's Door. Let's keep going. You want to have some fun? Uh, you had a very good prediction. Congratulations, Jeff. You are the best of us. You can't I am the name last a of us. single game that hasn't been. I, 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 I haven't heard you name a single game. Anyway, uh, so what do you make? Me. You usually don't listen when I'm talking on this show, so it's okay. What? I'm sorry. Uh, Fallout Shelter, that game, that the mobile game for that was with Fallout 4 that was dropped immediately after being announced and was not delayed. That's the only game that's never been delayed. I don't mean I don't mean ever. I meant I'm in this calendar year. But yes, uh, good point. Good point. Um, Christian. What do you make of February? What do you make of uh, more delays into this uh, this narrow <laughs> yeah. window where? It feels like, you know, what is this, November, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, to answer your question about the calendar, I do know how that happened. Um, as someone who has a family calendar, um, I imagine that uh, Elden Ring looked at its calendar and forgot that it was it didn't have the check mark to see everyone else's in the families click. Mm, so they were like, yeah. oh, check Pop Boy's availability. Maybe Pop Boy wasn't available in February. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they didn't even bother looking. So they were like, February's wide open. And then someone went back later and clicked show also uh, Horizon Forbidden West. And they were like, oh, no. Well, at least that's the only one. And then someone else went in and said show all. And they were like, oh, <laughs> like been there, done that. Scheduling is hard. Um, I, I think and I'm curious uh, what my kids aren't quite old enough. I might ask some middle school friends or friends who have middle schoolers. I am curious how your middle school friends. (laughs) I mean, ask my uh, middle school friends, you know, that I hang out with. Hello, Um, fellow kids. It's real. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just say I'm better friends with the kids than the parents. And that's healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Super healthy. Super healthy. Um, But I am curious how much of this is. They still call you Mr. Spicer, though. (laughs) <laughs> actually they just call me leave um is usually what they call me <laughs> how much of this is us uh, i'll i won't project as me as an old and how much the paradigm has really shifted of you don't play everything like yeah you know i wonder how much this is us in the air quote enthusiast pressed press uh in terms of covering games and wanting to talk about it with our audiences and, and our show you know, still being this show that is a generalist triple A, we dive into VR and indies and stuff, but like a generalist show. And then how much the landscape has shifted into, I am a, this player and I play destiny and a few other games. And we're excited about this game in February and nothing else matters. Or I am a, I mean, I'll buy, I'll buy that with destiny, right? Destiny Two, the witch Queen's coming out. It's serving destiny players, I it's think Elden Ring is the same thing, though. But do you think that I, you think honestly think that the people that play Horizon Forbidden West aren't the same people that play Elden Ring or Saints I, Row or Seafood? Like that's the same market. Dying Light I, Two. I I feel like Dying Light Two and Elden Ring players. Uh, you know the the Venn diagram is a circle. I think that that's <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Well, the. I do know that circle Venn diagrams exist because mine is, is there pizza in the house? Is Christian eating pizza? Like perfect. <laughs> yeah. A perfect circle. And I don't mean it's the band. It's weird to have a Venn diagram with a pizza slice taken out of it though. 
<laughs> when there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think that, yes, to some extent, those are just broad AAA games. But then I also do wonder, like, gaming is so broad now and so mainstream. It's not like when we were kids and it was, what game do you play? All of them. It's right. just a different landscape. I think TV is the same way also. There's just so much of it. It used to be 80 million people watched a rerun of Golden Girls because it's what was on. Right. And now it's, oh my gosh, you're not watching this show? What is that on? It's on Peacock. What? Okay. What is this on? It's on IMDb TV. What? Like you, It's just different. I don't know if we have monoculture in the same way. And I think games also reflect that. So while to me... There are three games I'm very excited about in February that I will not have the time to play all of them. I'm curious how much of that is a me problem versus uh, a more general air quote. And I hate this term, but gamer problem. Well, I think I think you have a point, but I don't think you're. That's one. <laughs> I don't think your point is. I mean, I think that the, that is true to a certain extent, but you can't tell me that Sifu, for example, which. I don't think is, you know, I think there's, there are people that are excited about it. I'm excited about it. I think it, it looks to be a pretty cool, interesting game, but I don't think that you can't convince me that if it came out at a time where there wasn't a lot of other crazy things, getting all the attention, it wouldn't do better. Right. I, right. I feel like there well, are these you... g- games on here. I mean, even, I feel like even the new saints row is in that place. Like if, if saints row came out in, April or May, where I'm looking at the announced games for April and May, and there's literally one Stalker 2 Heart of Chernobyl on, on PC and Series X. Like, you can't tell me that those games would have a little breathing room, wouldn't do better, simply well, because all of the oxygen is going to be taken up by Horizon and Elden Ring and, and, and Destiny and, you know, maybe a little dying light. It's like, it, there's just too much in a too short of a period. Well, I agree. And I think, like, in press and coverage those big games are going to take up that air but rich i'm curious do you think somebody blinks or do you think i, I mean i think everywhere? some games are some of these games it's a long enough list i mean the list is longer than the amount of games currently out there so somebody's going to be delayed farther than that it's just going to happen by i think just by odds if anything but i also think that there are no real dead times anymore that's true too you're right it's just like it's may looks empty right now but we could get to may and i'm sure we'll all be saying oh my gosh there's all these amazing (laughs) games out right now how am i gonna play them all and you're not wrong you're not wrong yeah it's this is something i think about as a person who is a dog trainer actor advice columnist writer playwright etc you can't do everything you know i thought you were gonna say say, someone who's a dog trainer it's like there's dogs every month of the year and they just need to be trained they do i know christian has a new dog by the way christian (laughs) if you ever need some some puppy tips hit me up i'm happy happy to help out with that but uh yeah, I'll meet him in February. February is when February is when February is a big. <laughs> it's a big bark dog. month. It's, so it's, I can uh... play Elden Ring. <laughs> I can train my dog to not bother me when I'm playing video games. <laughs> I need the dog to play some of these video games for me, is right. Right. <laughs> and then report back. <laughs> That's how you Nailed really put it. up to use. Um, yeah, but you, you can you can do anything you want, but you can't do everything. And we I I think part of the problem is we we live in a culture that 
that prioritizes things that are like FOMO, right? Like we want to be part of everything and you just, you can't. And there's actually something beautiful and amazing in that because you can hear about it still from people and we can all come in with different experiences, having played different things and find like moments of connection between the things that we have played. It's an opportunity, I think, actually, like having having a narrower scope of things on your plate lets you experience them more fully and provides an opportunity for connection with other people. So the, it, it's easy to, I think, get get carried away in the, the the societal pressure of do all the things. And it's harder to be like, this is what I want to do. I will say, and Jeff, you mentioned them at the top and I think end of, of every show, but it's really great to spend time in the show's Discord and see what folks are playing because I think that segment of our audience, um, you know, that representation of our audience plays a wide variety of games that, you know, we're not – we can't talk about every game. We can't play every game. But it's, it is really cool to see other people's passions and, and them talking about things. And I think there are other shows – obviously, there are like diehard Destiny communities. But I do love seeing from our community – the games that are like pulling people away or some of our patient gamers that are, you know, like the, the I guess the best thing, <laughs> Jeff and Rich, about all these games coming out in February is that come March, half of them will be on sale, right? Cause yeah. or on, <laughs> you know, on services you already pay for. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, but it, it is cool to see that cross section of someone that's like still hardcore into something. And yeah, you don't need to chase the fad. I think the internet has kind of um, proliferated that as well. I've probably talked about this on a show before, but like it used to be, oh, I, I like this game. This is, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good at this game. And then you go online and it's like, I'm an idiot. I don't know anything about it. I clearly don't spend enough time on it, you know, and you find that like hardcore community and it can get overwhelming. But yeah, regular folk are just playing games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, Christian Spicer, what is your, what is your story of the week? Yeah, my story of the week, uh, kind of the uh, you are to VR uh, as I am to uh, streaming and cloud gaming. And uh, we had the announcement from NVIDIA that they they are releasing a GeForce Now subscription tier that they're selling as RTX 380, the 380 tier. And um, I was on the briefing of this when they outlined it. And it's coming first to North America and Europe. And I've talked about it on the show. I'm a big cloud gaming fan. And GeForce Now is probably my favorite service of all of them. I was high on Stadia when it came out. I think Stadia does a lot of really cool things. But then we all know kind of what happened. And it hasn't, in my opinion, lived up to its promise. xCloud is incredible. And it's hard to... How how long till Stadia gets canceled altogether? I mean, I should ask you, Jeff. You're the... the, uh, Canostitator. What's the, what's your, what's your, <laughs> I can never remember. I can never remember. Um, I, uh, I, I, you know that I was just as, as bullish on it as you were when it came out. We both bought the, uh, what, oh, the yeah? investor edition. What's it called? The, uh, I think it's called a dumbass edition. <laughs> <laughs> it's called $150 down the garbage disposal. Um, oh, I edition. Like you know, but we were the, yeah, we were founders in the founders edition of, of Stadia. We both really were excited about the concept. And, and I'm, I have to admit, I have 
gone 180 degrees on Stadia. And I, I believe now what everybody was yelling at me, oh, Google's going to pull the plug on this thing. Why do you even trust them? I'm now fully in that camp. And I just think it's like the the death clock, tick tock, tick tock until that thing gets canned. Uh, yeah. Death clock is also coming out in February, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but how are we going to even think- have time to play death clock? Yeah, it's, it's a game all about time. You know, yeah, I, think, I think the tech might end up somewhere. You know, Google built out that. Yeah, that pipeline seems to be robust and it works well. Um, but I do think X Cloud, Microsoft, and X Cloud, and Nvidia and GeForce Now seem to be much more focused on the future and advancing this. And so, yeah, I, do think, I don't like, have. Sorry to interrupt you again, but I, I do think it's going to be like a uh, Vine to TikTok situation. Where you know mm. they, you know somebody pulls the plug on Vine, and then a couple of years later, TikTok is the biggest thing on the planet. You know, it's like, well, they were doing that before, but they just didn't stick with it or didn't find yeah. the right mojo uh, somehow. And I think that that is exactly what's going to happen: is that Stadia was the one that sort of made waves and said, "Hey, we're doing this," and then they're going to yank it, and then all of a sudden, everybody's going to be playing streamed. You're uh, telling me that cloud stuff. gaming needs to add uh licensed music that you're allowed to lip sync to. That's, yeah. the... <laughs> That's the key. Um and and so what I was saying is XCloud and Game Pass Ultimate, which is what it's included in. It's hard to argue with that value, right? Um and it, Microsoft keeps updating it. They keep adding touch control supported games, which I don't think is the best way to play most games, but in a pinch not bad. Um I replayed all of Halo 1. Um via xCloud sitting in bed with my um, backbone controller on my phone. And it, it's good. It's never, it's hit and miss. I think I talked about this on a show probably last year about how sometimes I'll jump into like Forza and it's incredible and it feels like I'm playing. And then other times, like on a console and other times it's, I can't play. It's that it's really unresponsive. Um, my favorite of all of them has been GeForce Now in terms of its, um, the quality of of play and stream and i played through probably half of death's door via geforce now when it first came out and so to remind people a little bit about what geforce now is uh compared to like xcloud um it is um available everywhere it's on ios pc mac now it looks like it's updated so it will run on um on console on the browser on on xbox what is that the microsoft edge browser i think um so you can kind of access it anywhere it's not locked onto android phones anymore and it supports most pc web stores um but not every game so certain games are added to the service but then when you purchase them say on steam or through the epic game store or gog or whatever you are buying that game and you own that game. So if you bought, um, they've announced, uh, or let's just say a game that's already like destiny two, right. Uh, or free to play games or apex legends. I guess I should do a game. You buy death store game. I bought death store. I own it so I can play it on PC. It's in my steam library. I will forever own it. And then through the GeForce now subscription, you're able to play that on any device, right? Anywhere. I played it on my phone, but you can play it on a Mac, an old gaming computer, an old computer or whatever, and you have access to this. On your TV, uh, they sell the Shield, but other browsers, uh, Chromecast, stuff like that. You have access to this library of games that you now own. So it's different in xCloud in that regard. Um, But then the difference there is that you're paying this subscription service for this 
cloud computing happening and, and no games are included. A bunch of free-to-play games uh, are part of the service. Apex, um, Destiny, Fortnite, but not on iOS, um, but like Fortnite on uh, computer. And so you can have access to all of those, but you're paying this subscription service. NVIDIA then has tiers. So there's a free-to-play tier where you can get in and test it out. It's limited you to an hour play session. Then it used to be called Founders, and they're renaming it. And now they're introducing, my story of the week, this 3080 tier. And and this, I think, assuming it lives up to the promise, is incredible and shows how quickly this technology, I think, can advance. So what the 3080 option promises is up to 1440p resolution with 120 frames per second on PCs and Macs. 4K HDR on NVIDIA Shield TV, which you have to think will roll out other places first, but they're starting it there with their Shield, which is kind of their streaming box. You can think of it as their Apple TV. Um, It's also going to support 120 frames per second on some Android phones, the phones that support it with promotion or whatever Android calls it. You'd have to guess that that's coming to Apple devices soon. And they're also saying that they've decreased the latency, which is what everybody's problem is with... uh, you know, cloud gaming or the fear of cloud gaming. And so with their tests, so I'm looking at it to make sure I get it right. Destiny 2, it resulted in less than 60 milliseconds of latency at 120 frames per second playing Destiny 2. And according to NVIDIA, that beats the 93 milliseconds of latency with the same game running on Xbox Series X at 60 frames per second. That's running on the box, plugged into your TV, NVIDIA is saying that it's with this 3080 tier streaming it. There's less latency. That seems That's, crazy, right? It's, it's yeah. mind boggling. And you're getting the RTX. Um, so, you know, if the game has ray tracing, all of that stuff, you you get it. And you can, I remember when this first started rolling out, they had ray tracing before, but not on this 3080 tier. I was on an old MacBook, like a 2015 MacBook Pro. I remember I was playing Wolfenstein Youngblood with ray tracing and just being like, this is just like mind blowing. So now they're promising better graphics like this 3080 tier, which is actually better than that. If you look at the, I have it here, wherever it is, the actual details of what this thing is running is, uh, where did I write it down? Oh, it is uh, the equivalent performance from an Ampere GA 102 chip and servers so it's an 8-core AMD Threadripper CPUs, 28 gigabytes of DDR4 memory, Gen 4 SSD. They're promising 35 teraflops of GPU performance. That's closer to an actual 3090. And it's roughly comparable to three times what an Xbox Series X is capable of. Are wow. these like supercomputer data centers that you're plugging into. Um, so you're getting that. And if this latency stuff, there hasn't been hands-on yet. Um, the Verge has a great write-up about it and other places as well. Um, those hands-on, I think Verge mentions are, are expected soon. Um, but it, And of course, where you are to a data center, right? It's not like I have 3G service <laughs> hiking in Alaska. Let me get my 120 you know, frame. It, it won't be that. But it's it's incredible. And that's the technical jargon. I realize I've been talking for a bit, but Rich and Jeff, my, my question to you all is let's assume it delivers on this promise, right? The price point, which I've yet to mention, for this 3080 tier is $99 for um, six months. So $200 a year for this service that is giving you access to the streaming ability, right? Like the 
best graphics card you can have, the highest end graphics available for PC gaming, basically. Um, and then you're still buying the games on top of that, aside from free-to-play games. $200 a year. Is that compelling or not compelling? Rich, what do you think? Is that Did I sell it? Is that a, a value proposition? Like, I don't need to own a well, console. I can play on what I have. I own the games, but I'm paying $200 a year for this service. I mean, Are you interested? Here's, here's one of the things with NVIDIA, right? We're talking about how we're going to be able to play all these games in February. They're going to become so good at the latency that they actually create additional time for you to play all these things. <laughs> <laughs> you say 30 milliseconds a second. Through yeah, you're like, you can play twice the games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, NVIDIA is one of those companies that, that I just think they're they're already a big company in many ways, but I think they're they're like one of those companies that I could very easily see becoming giant, like up there with the Amazons and Googles of the world. Like I can imagine that. And part of it is is stuff like this. They are they are an innovative company that's playing in some really bleeding edge spaces. And yeah. $200 a year for, you know, that's that I, I think that's going to be expensive for some people, but, you know, not I mean, that's not as expensive as like owning a piece of hardware, right? Like that's cheaper than a console cost. <laughs> it's it's cheaper than uh, especially in these supply shortage times. It's 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 cheaper than getting a new uh, chip at the moment. Yeah. Right. You know, like, that's like. Oh, sorry, Rich. Oh, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I think it's compelling. I think to re- reframe yeah. it for you, Jeff, I think you and I are both still on our Game Pass Ultimate. Like they basically gave it to us for free for 20 years as you converted. But Game Pass Ultimate is $15 per month. And there it comes with xCloud. Um, currently, in my opinion, xCloud is not the best cloud gaming service. It's nice. It's a bonus. It feels like a bonus. It's not the entree, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I got a side right. salad with this. I had no idea. Right. Um Game Pass is Game Pass Ultimate is a hundred $15 a month. That's $180 a year. Cheaper than this 3080 tier. But is it more compelling to rent your games or to rent your hardware and buy your games? For me, it is more compelling content is always going to be more compelling to me to me uh but, but i am with, with, with GeForce now you can buy only the content you want right but i have to buy buy the content uh and and i'm also paying i mean the problem is for me i like having the hardware anyway i want to have great hardware for all the things that i do uh and i like the hardware i'm sort of into the hardware and that is where i choose to spend my money yeah, for for I, I think the use case here that is most compelling, and I think a really strong you make it, you can make a really strong argument for it is folks that aren't as motivated or uh, you know able to pony up for a gaming PC or consoles. You know, <laughs> there's a lot to be said for the fact that you can't even get some of these consoles yet, and if you're able to play these games in a way that makes the console redundant uh you know for a lot of these games a lot of games you know they're still going to be console exclusives but for me not every game is on geforce now yes 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 true true, yes all that stuff which is not insignificant stuff but if you set that aside 
and say, you know, if you're just looking at the value proposition of, you know, spending hundreds, if not thousands up front to just have a platform upon which to play these things, if you're renting the platform, which is basically what NVIDIA is saying you're doing, you're renting a 3080, uh, which is pretty cool. Better than a 3080, but they're selling it as a 3080. It seems like it's better than that, but they're you know, they don't want to overpromise. Well, their, their product is the 3080. So that's the, right. that's what they're naming it, right? Instead yeah. of naming it the Threadripper, you know, it's like yeah. AMD's <laughs> product, you know, uh, but it's going to have these Threadripper CPUs, these eight core massive CPUs. And, you know, it's going to be a screaming PC that you're basically renting to play these games on. Um, I think that's kind of a cool option for folks. And it's just not, for me in particular, something super compelling because unlike you, I'm not motivated very often to play, you know, on my phone or in bed, or it's just not, that's just not my lifestyle. If I'm going to play a video game, it's going to be sitting in front of my PC or sitting in front of my television on a console. Like that's, and that's also kind of why I didn't pony up for a steam deck, right? It's like, just not really as as much as I dig the switch and use the switch mostly in handheld mode. It's also not the first console I reach for. It's because when I have my gaming time, it usually means I have time to myself that I get to sit in front of the best possible screens uh, in my house, you know? So, um, but but I do think it's cool. I'm not saying it's not cool. It's just for me, it's not the prime use case. But I think it's interesting you said there, and I think this, and, and I agree. I think a lot of people, I was talking to some friends who aren't, you know, like hardcore, again, term gamers, um, and I was like, is this compelling to you? Because I'm I'm in, right? Like I drank the Kool-Aid. I, I'm fascinated by this tech. I really like it. I realize that I, I own up to my own bias on this. <laughs> um, and I think people's mindset is harder in renting the hardware than buying into Game Pass and be like, well, let's get, I get all these games and I don't, I don't like half of them, but they're all there and it's cheap. It's only this per month. And here, this to me, this 3080 tier seems like it's a much more expensive thing. But what you said at the end, Jeff, I think is fascinating because you're like, I want the, I want to play the best version on the best screens. And I think what NVIDIA is trying to promise here is that this is that. Yeah. Like, it, and it's compelling, I think, maybe for families where it's like, I'm weird. I own a gaming PC, consoles. I also have different consoles downstairs that are like our family consoles. And this, the promise of this premise is you have, you don't need that. It runs on everything you have. And you don't need to have, like your kid has their own because they have an iPad or a yeah. tablet or a Chromebook. Mm. You have your own because you have your workstation. The family has their own because you got a TV. And I think in that way, it's super compelling to be like, oh, for this subscription fee, I have unlimited 3080s. <laughs> yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, we're getting to this convergent point where – much like what Netflix and Amazon prime are offering, where is, is it still marginally better to put in a Blu-ray? Yes. Undoubtedly. There is still an improvement in the the amount of data that's on your Blu-ray disc playing in a Blu-ray player. Do all the other facets of the experience make it way better to just pop on Netflix or Amazon prime or HBO max or whatever the surface is. And if you're streaming in 4k HDR, you know, Dolby vision surround sound, it, 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 it's still a pretty darn good experience. And the convenience level just completely outmatches, you know, getting up, putting in the Blu-ray disc 
buying the Blu-ray disc, own, you know, all of that stuff. I think we're getting there much quicker than I would have even anticipated with cloud gaming. And I think NVIDIA is proving that to be the case. And I think I am probably, I, I foresee a time where I sort of shed my desire to crunch crunch the bits locally, uh, but I'm not there yet. I still do like the fact that my computer is creating the image on my screen. Uh, but I, I think those days are numbered. I do. Yeah, uh, I think, I, I, I mean, think- I also remember having a collection of uh, CDs and, and tapes and yeah, yeah, I said tapes. I'm, 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 I'm owning my age a little bit. Uh, <laughs> DVDs and all the yeah. physical medias, right? And you know what? I don't, I don't miss those. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, my, my last point on, I mentioned it before and, and we can move on. Um, I'll, I'll be curious to see when there's hands-on and stuff, but I mean, their claim here is that they can run this thing, GeForce Now 3080 tier, Destiny 2 at 120 frames with less latency than the Xbox Series X running it plugged into your screen. Ugh. When does this launch? When, when can we actually try it? End of this year. Is it November? It's rolling or? out in North America first. November, right? Europe. Uh, let's see. It should should go live in the U.S. in November. And across yeah, yeah November. So it's literally December. next month. I mean, like weeks. We're weeks away from being able to try it. Maybe I'll eat my words. Maybe this will be the one where I'm like, why did I even spend all this money on my computer? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm ready for that future. I think that's a cool future. Um, I, love, I love that they're tackling latency, and I don't understand the, yeah. the, the, the witchcraft behind it. But, yeah, Rich, to your point, I think NVIDIA does – they push this hobby forward in ways that isn't quite as celebrated as some of the console makers because – but like ray tracing and anyway i'm done i'm just kind it's of just like one, st- it's like one step removed right it's one step removed that's why they don't get the, the yeah the, it's yeah uh all right well, we're already running long on the news sorry segment, but it's okay <laughs> but i um you know i the, my story that we i want my story of the week to be that god of war is coming to pc in january before february so tons of time to play it uh i'm excited about playing that in super ultra wide on my pc why because i'll be crunching those bits locally christian um but my, i'll be I playing think, it on my steam deck portably yeah well you may you may Portable yeah God of War. but you won't get that super ultra wide you got that ultra wide <laughs> monitor now baby you gotta live, live that ultra wide life you dubs forever all right but but that's not my story of the week my story of the week uh, has to be the uh grand theft auto trilogy uh rockstar releasing the definitive edition um official announcement we knew it was coming uh but it's going to be released november 11th on digital uh physical is going to be released on december 6th 70 bucks for all three games gta 3 gta vice city gta san andreas but wait do you already have game pass or playstation now because why spend the 70 bucks they're also coming to those platforms uh game pass on november 11th the well, no, only one the- of only one of them. So Game Pass gets one game, gets San Andreas, right? And PlayStation now gets GTA, GTA three. three. Yeah, and no one gets Vice City. You no one gets Vice City, <laughs> right? Which no I think one really because- gets Vice City, right? Like that's- well, <laughs> my 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 guess for that is that Vice City is the most desirable of the three, and they're hoping that people will pony up the dollars. Uh, but if you kind of just want to walk down memory lane, you may already own it. Uh, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting shell game that Rockstar is playing 
uh, positioning all these different legacy properties. But I mean, I guess you guys can comment on that because it is interesting. But my my real thrust of my question here is is Rich, what do you think of the look of these games? Because they, I think they did a really smart thing releasing the uh, the trailer with that sort of sliding. Here's how it used to look. Here's how it looks now. So you really get the impact of all the improvements. And they've really gone cartoony with it. I, they've really made it look a little cell shaded, retaining that original, you know, sort of low poly uh, appearance, you know, honoring, I suppose is the word honoring, or maybe just not doing the work <laughs> to really remake the games, <laughs> but, you know, retaining the old uh, low poly look, but kind of giving it a sh- new sheen by making it look actually, in my opinion, more like the uh, iconic GTA covers, the the artist rendition of that world is a little more cartoony. And now the games look like that. What, what do you make of the look? You, do you like it? Do you think these games are going to uh, find a new audience because of the look? Yeah, I, I think I think they will. And I'm always of a mind when you are doing a remake of something. It, it, you have to embrace the fact that it's it's not it's not exact it's not never going to be exactly the same thing and, and like i think about this in regards to the demon souls remake which uh which i really enjoyed quite a bit but aesthetically what that what the demon souls remake is doing is very different than what the original demon souls was doing and everything exists in the context that it comes out in, right? Like what the Demon Souls, and in this case, what the what the Grand Theft Auto's aesthetics were at the time means a specific thing to that time. And what these remakes are doing is both a nostalgic reflection on, on that time, but also is an opportunity, an artistic opportunity to comment on today and to and to engage with where we are today. So I, I'm I think it's an interesting choice for sure. I the Grand Theft Auto games have never been um, have never been like the most compelling of Rockstar's properties to me. Uh, but I, I I I like that they're not just doing a here's a really fancy looking version of the old thing. I like that there seems to be a an artistic choice hmm. made here, whether or not that choice is successful remains to be seen. But I think it's more interesting than just here's up grand theft auto. Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I, it's an, kind of an inverse of my take because I, your comparison to demon souls. I mean, I, I would prefer a demon souls, like true remake every time, not just with GTA, but like any legacy game that's been re-released. I would, I want, the time and energy that was seems to have been put in with Demon Souls to be put in to really make the game feel like a contemporary game. I don't think that's the case here. I I do see it more like a just an uprezzed version, but the the method by which they're uprezzing it, I agree with you, has artistic vision in it, has a a, a true aesthetic choice being made. And so yeah, I, I will give him credit for that. And I think it is it's an interesting way to do it, but I kind of feel like from my perspective, it feels a little bit like a, um, I don't know, an, an artistic vision informed by the limitations of what they're doing. It's not, it's not because they had any, every option. They just decided to do this. It's they went, well, what's, what can we do that also isn't fully remaking these games? <laughs> I mean, you know? yeah, there's, 
there's there's an extent to which it might be a Gus Van Sant uh, psycho <laughs> remake uh, situation going on, and I think that's that's certainly a danger. But that's also like that's there's 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 something interesting about that, even if it totally doesn't work or come together. Uh, th- that you just don't necessarily that you that you that I would rather they make that choice right than necessary than do kind of a bland sort of artless yeah. remake that's clearly purely a cash grab. Um, I, I think yeah, like it might be it might be like that that psycho remake. It might just completely not work in any way, shape, or form. But I mean, it I might also I, just I, be I, fine. <laughs> it's, again, I'm I'm you know quibbling with your metaphors, and and I probably shouldn't, but or your analogies. But I uh, I would I would put the Demon Souls more as the the psycho remake. Like this this to me is like not casting new actors. It's using the you know digital de aging to actors. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it's a, it, yeah, it does not look as old as it used to. Does it look? like a new actor no <laughs> you know but anyway christian what do you what do you think of the look well uh to be fair they did add a um self-pleasure scene in all three of these games so much like psycho that's the only change they made and it, it really <laughs> really packs a punch that one that one moment that really adds the <laughs> je ne sais quoi to it i <clears throat> i like the look i think what pulls me from it is that we in the part we haven't talked about yet, the lighting and the reflections on the vehicles I love. Like when they're doing the back and forth and you saw the car and because it's like yeah, I well, like it's easy to do that, right? It's easy to add but, the shiny reflections to the shiny I, things. Yeah, I like I like old arcade racers. I like that kind of more polygonal car vehicle. Mm. I think that ages really well. So adding that, I don't know if it's ray tracing, but like with shiny surfaces and reflections, I was like, this is awesome. And then I watched the person and it was like, oh, now their shirt is a Hawaiian shirt instead of green. Like that's what caught my eye first until I looked at the faces and, and kind of how they redid it. Um, so I, it's fine. I, I think I think this probably will be the best way to play the game, especially the changes they've made to shooting, which has never been a, a series strong suit. Um, it's gotten better. And I think adding it to these games will make them infinitely better. Um, and I think it will look better on everybody's OLED 4K, you know, all these screens that people are playing games on now. Um, but it isn't, it is not the, def- the definitive edition, in my opinion, right? The definitive <laughs> edition would be that Souls, would yeah. be um, Shadow of the Colossus. And, and this is not that, um, but they're all coming to Switch and you can get both of the, two of them, air quote, free through coming subscription to mobile. services. Yeah. are coming to mobile. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. These old games. So it is funny. I saw a great tweet though. Uh, somebody uh, Tinsley. Uh, yeah, it was Tins- Stephanie Tinsley. Uh, wrote, uh, you know, Far Cry Six comes out, and everybody's like, "Yawn, been there, done that. Same thing. I played <laughs> ten years ago." And then the you know GTA remakes come out. Brian, we get to play GTA again. Uh, it's the fun. difference there. Very funny tweet, but the difference there is that'd be a, people being excited about the Far Cry Three remake. This would yeah, be like if GTA 6 came out and it was just GTA 3 again. Right. That's the difference. But very funny tweet. All, All right. I'm going to say is remake Ultima's 4 through 6, you cowards. Oh, please. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> That's in licensing. Why not get it? Ultima yeah, 7. probably. Ultima 7 is the best I, one. I think the rights um, for Ultima are all mixed up right now. 
Yeah, Lord British is in space. You know what are you gonna do? <laughs> uh, all right, <laughs> the we are first, going... the first rich guy in space. Put some, <laughs> yeah, put some authority exactly. behind that. We are running way long. Let's get to the games that we have been playing. We know you're excited. We're excited too. All right, Rich, uh, let's drop into your playlist. I know you've got a lot of really interesting, cool games on here. What do you want to start? I want to start with Neurocracy 2049. And this is something that uh, was episodic that came out a couple of months ago at this point, to to my point earlier about there, there being stuff that you can go back to. This game is must play, and you can all play out. Play it right now. Just pull out your phone. Go to Omnipedia.app. What this game is, is it is a murder mystery in a Wikipedia-like uh, a program. Whoa, that's so cool. you are. It is. If you've ever played Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Yeah, uh, it'll be very behind me. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it, it'll be totally uh, familiar to you. You're, you're reading these Wikipedia articles and you are piecing together stuff that's going on. And this game is just a master class in narrative design and writing. When you have something that is primarily text-based and, and anything like a, a movie with dialogue, a, a video game that has you know narrative and story, every line has to be doing something, right? Like you get a line of dialogue and you want it to either provide you exposition about the world or tell you something about the character or move the plot forward, uh, or reinforce some of the themes, right? And and good writing often does multiple things at the same time with every line, right? Like it's not just giving you some exposition. It's also moving the plot forward. It's also telling you something about the character. What this does is absolutely incredible because it really uses the idea and the format of Wikipedia to, 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 to just hit you in several ways with every single line that it's that it's working with, you can uh, you can go and look at the tracked changes and, and in a way mm. that's that's similar to how a cinematographer or where an editor will cut a scene in a movie. Right? It's telling wow. you where to look, like what is like what's important is that this thing got changed and and why did that get changed? And it's forcing you to think about things like that. Um, it, it reminds me a lot of, in some ways, her story and Gone sure. Home in the way that, uh, in, in the case of Gone Home, in the way that it is sort of revolutionizing what a video game can be. And her story in the sense that you are, you're given a lot of information, but you never get the little button that says you've won. You just, mm. you are sitting with what you have and it's, fascinating stuff that touches upon a lot of different things. Uh, the game world is set in 2049. Um, they started writing this this game five years ago, and it does feature a global pandemic, So, wow. which they, you know... Handle really well, considering that. It's, it, the, the, the themes of this game have a lot to do with uh, artificial intelligence, uh, uh, privacy, um, there, there's some heady, heady themes that would be really easy to bungle and just completely, uh, put a bad face forward. And instead it's just such a thoughtful, perfectly constructed narrative experience. And, and it's, it's so easy to do. You can just go to 
omnipedia.app and you'll be able to play neurocracy 2049 like on your phone you're just clicking on wikipedia articles that interest you and it's such a satisfying gameplay loop which is a weird thing to say about something that's just in wikipedia Mm. but every day is a new episode so it it was an episodic 10-parter that was released um, you just set the day and you can look at uh, in that day we'll have like, here's the big news items on the day. And then here's that Wikipedia random articles and the random articles are always filling in information about the world. The news articles are like your, your plot, your a plot that you're moving forward. So you're just kind of looping through those and clicking on different links and, and following what interests you. Please everybody give this thing a look. Just it's, it's an incredible experience. It's probably going to be my game of the year. Just wow. spoilers. It's, it's really something else. And I feel like it didn't get a lot of, uh, it didn't get enough press when it came out because yeah, I haven't even, I haven't heard of it again. That's neurocracy 2049. Yeah. And it's uh. the website you go is omnipedia.app. All right. And you'll wow. be able to to you I think the first episode is is just free and on there um as like as a demo and then if it hooks you you can keep going and it's it's really it's it's just a, a just a masterful experience and if you're interested in narrative design at all you this is must play. You absolutely have to play this. Well, I'm going to have to check out Neurocracy 2049. What else is on your player list? So to give to to pivot quickly into something that's a little bit newer, I got the uh, uh, strategy game Disciples Liberation, which is a, a strategy RPG. If you've played a Heroes of Might and Magic or or a Fire Emblem, uh, this game is probably going to be really interesting to you. It, it gives me strong uh, Expeditions Vikings vibes, actually, because it, it's kind of got this uh, uh, the hexagonal grid strategy combat. This is the thing that I'm really enjoying about this game is it's incredibly approachable for a genre which is usually kind of hard to parse. There's a lot of complicated uh, strategic tactical decisions you can make here, um, but it's not the type of game that punishes you for having the wrong build, right? Like you can build your characters and pick units in a way that is not optimized necessarily in the in a traditional sense like you don't have to min max everything and or lean your character entirely into one thing you can really it feels like no matter how much you want to play a versatile character you can do a little bit of everything or how much you want to lean into specialization this game isn't gonna there's no trap builds in it uh which i think is is a really hard trick to pull off and i think one of the things that's very intimidating about this game for a lot of people who might be curious about this genre uh, are he- are hesitant to get into it because you could play a game for ten hours and then realize uh, I just completely misbuilt all my units and oh yeah and, that's and, scary and that's yeah, and then like now I have to start over no this game it feels very generous in that while also still retaining like a level of challenge and and, and difficulty that 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 feels exciting um, it it is the type of game that when I initially saw sort of the descriptors of it i was wary because it's it's grim dark fantasy and you know i i feel like that that's just tends to not be my cup of tea like i think a lot of times the grim dark vibe is done to create some real edgy nonsense quite frankly but the way that this game handles it is a lot more refreshing than i was expecting like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's grim for the point of 
being grim. It actually sort of feels weirdly ponderous about that in a way that's pretty resonant, I think, for existing in the real world right now. It's like, wow, everything's a mess. And why is that? Like, why does anything have to be like this? Um, so this and, is grim with one M and not like three or five. It's not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it, now it is the type of game that is, I think the the budget for, for particularly in the voice acting department, the voice acting is real rough. And I want to say like, there are points where the voice acting is so bad. It, it, almost but not quite loops back to being good (laughs) (laughs) but so it it, my first five minutes were in this game were very much like i don't i don't know about this but as soon as i got out of the tutorial area which was not too long it really started opening up and becoming interesting in a way I, i wasn't expecting given given the voice acting and sort of it's one of those situations where you know on the grid like everybody has has the one bark and you're like, okay, that, that bark is getting tired real quickly guy. <laughs> you know, like it's, <laughs> it's that type of thing where they, you yeah. know, it's just, it's a, it's not a huge studio. It's not a ton of money into it, but that that's also a reason to check this thing out because I think it's something that could be buried. It came out, um, I believe Thursday, uh, just this Thursday. So it's relatively fresh. This is the, the newest game that I'm going to be, talking about on my playlist and if you're into strategy rpgs or if you've always wanted to be this is a great one to check out it's probably it's a it's a i think relatively affordable game that'll probably give you anywhere from 70 to 80 hours of strategy rpg content that'll you know keep you occupied until february 40 bucks on steam uh it's disciples liberation disciples liberation yeah all right what else have you been playing Finally, now I've got something that I've been playing since it came out, um, a a game called Black Book. Have you guys heard of this? I have not. Okay. So Black Book, let me ask you a question. Let me ask both of you a question. You like magic, right? Like if you're in fantasy settings. Oh, yes. Just just like magic in general. Like what's always, what's the most interesting thing about magic to you guys? Uh, a, well, you, the powers it gives you. I yeah. love, I love powers. So I love it, whether it's magic or however they do it. But I love. I talk about it like hero shooters. I love powers. Um, Dishonored franchise. That's what, I, I like doing things that are fantastical and whimsical. And magic is usually how that's done. How about you, Jeff? Yeah, I mean, I, when it comes to video games, I think yeah, you know, cool spell effects, uh, interesting ways to interact with the environment, you know, feeling powerful and doing cool things. When it comes to fiction, I love magic systems. I like the explanation as to you know how one accomplishes the magic. Yeah, so this is so this is the thing for me, right? Like the thing that's interesting about magic to me in fiction is 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 the mystery behind it, right? It's like, how how does this thing work? This is a level of power. And the, the type of magic that's always appealing to me is magic that is dangerous on some level. Like that that feels like it has a cost or, or a, a potential detriment to it. Black Book is set in the late 1800s in Russia. And you are playing a woman whose fiance has committed suicide. And in response to that, she believes that this was this was not something that he was going to do. So she decides to become a witch 
And the tutorial of the game is you are literally selling your soul to Satan and gaining magical powers to unlock the seven seals of the titular black book and find out what happened to your fiance. Um, it is a game that is about having your toe in the world of demons and magic and also in the, the real world, like the world of the, the late 1800s Russia. And your character is like about like walking this line between the, the, the Christian world of, uh, of the time and this like satanic magic that you're using and, and these demons that you're, you're fighting. And it, it's a really compelling game. I've never had a magic system in a video game that makes magic feel mysterious because <laughs> video games are about systems, right? So you really have to like magic works in a very specific way in most games. And in this game, it ha it feels like unstable and dangerous in a way that is such a delight. The graphic style of this game is incredibly unique, and the 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 way like what how it works is it, it's sort of if you've played a it, it's one foot in a visual novel style game and one foot in a deck builder. You're basically when you're in in combat with demons or spirits or other things, you're going to be using the pages of your of the black book which will have spell words on them and creating these phrases and the phrases can be have different effects on the combat um it's one of these things that it, it's just really flexible in in terms of how you you set up your your spell list how you employ it and when you and when you employ things there's there's a lot that it does with what seems like relatively simple tools and it's it's just an it's just a an amazing game. Uh, it's 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 such a a bigger game than I was expecting. Like I saw this this is like an indie game, uh, you know, made by I think made by a very small team, and I, I wasn't anticipating a twenty hour game. Now this thing is huge. It goes on way longer than I was expecting, and every part of it feels like like a really good episode of like an episodic show. Like there's. Wow plot and character stuff going on that's really compelling uh it really immerses you in russian folklore uh in a way that is uh like i haven't really played anything like this a lot of games will have your your lore codex this game makes it part of the world like you'll be dealing with demons and spirits and you kind of have to know what the folklore is in order to kind to solve like the puzzles that they put before you and it's it's just a really fascinating game design decision that drives you deep into the mythology of the world and uh, pushes propels the story forward in some incredible ways. It's it's such a, a metal game. It's I mean you like like just if you play the tutorial like just you start this game selling your soul. It's so so good. Um, yeah, I cannot recommend this one enough. As I as like I I guess I've basically been gushing about all the games I've brought up, but yeah, this one wow. is uh, definitely like I hope I hope that I've 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 uh, uh, enticed everyone to get three games now because yeah, all you, of these are are just incredible. I have incredible no incredible games. Uh, this one again is called Black Book. A uh, couple months ago it came out. Yeah, yeah, Black August Book. it looks like. Uh, this is um, not good. 
Not good, Rich. I, I don't have time to play the games I already have, and now I have like three more games. All of them, you're, you're like, yeah, you think it was only 20 hours, but it's much bigger than the likes. Like, yeah. No, that's not what I want to hear. I don't want to hear more than 20 hours. Uh, but this looks exquisite. Um, this is uh, this is just it, it's it's jaw dropping. It's yeah. it's quite unlike anything I've ever played. And again, just an innovative artistic triumph. Um, Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading some of the the uh, the Steam reviews here are, are echoing what you're saying. Um, I uh, I'm into it, especially as as somebody who loves deck building games and and card based uh, strategy games. So. Well, it looks like I'm spending $20 on this one without the time yes. to play it. Um, and as someone um, who loves selling their soul to the devil, I, too, am interested. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this it. is a great... Uh, I, I've, I've been playing this one on Switch, and this is a great... Speaking of like playing games in bed, this is a great like turn the lights out late at night, yeah. do a couple of rounds of this game. It's a really good... You can pick this up, play it for five minutes, put it down, inch the story forward. Like it, it, there's enough going on with it um, that I think you could do that. My one recommendation to people, uh, you can put the text in English, but keep the Russian voice acting. The Russian voice acting is way better. <laughs> uh, no offense to the American voice actors. It's just hearing the Russian voice acting and then reading the text like that is that's the ideal way to do this. All right. Black Book. Neuro Neurocracy 2049 and Disciples Liberation uh, were the three games mentioned. I love it when guests come on and bring up games that I haven't even heard of and now now are on my radar. It's awesome. Thank you, Rich. Christian Spicer. You are welcome for 240 plus hours of games. Yeah, no, I don't have that kind of time. I don't have that kind of time. I'll have to banish all three of these, but I'm excited to check them out. Uh, Christian, what is on your playlist? Mine can be brief because I really want you to talk about some stuff that you've been playing, Jeff. So I will mention, uh, I'm going to switch to a two-person view for the video people here. They can see it. That is, I have two uh, minicade, arcade one-up minicades behind me. One is Marvel um, Superheroes, which has Punisher on it, which is why I got that Punisher arcade. And the other one is TMNT. They're two-player countercade cabinets, and it has TMNT and um, Turtles in Time on it. And my oldest daughter and I just played through, we've, played through the entirety of uh TMNT the arcade game the other day which is it, it's you know free play my daughter really got excited and she was like you can just keep pushing adding lives and i was like yeah go for it <laughs> yeah and then after that's why your dad of- has got a job in his life that's <laughs> the only motivation i ever had to have a job is so this could happen you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> and then i i was like I was like, well, now we got to do the math because when I was, you know, your age playing this in arcades, it was a quarter every three of these. And she was like, okay, let's, so we started keeping track. It, it was still more expensive to buy the countercade, but it's close, you know, like you hit that inflection point, but just a treat. I love brawlers. I, I love brawlers so much. So that's that. And I love these. I've talked about arcade one up. I have the Miss Pac-Man countercade next to our pinball table, which is because my wife is the best in our living room is where <laughs> those live. And then these new two-player countercades, I think, are great. They come fully built, and they're really nice, you know, replica-type prop thing that also plays really well. Um, the game that I've been playing, and the reason I can be brief about this, is that I encourage everybody to go play it. The game I've been playing is Riders Republic, and it's free right now. As you're listening to this, it is free. Uh, there's a week. It was from October 21st, um, midnight Pacific, to Wednesday the 27th, midnight Pacific across where, on your platform of choice uh, and you have four hours of playtime. it is the full game and your progress carries over if you choose to purchase the game 
Jeff and I both talked about Riders Republic during a beta. I don't know if it was a closed beta or open beta. It was and open. I, I really liked it. I like it now. I, I think, you know, it's scary being this close to Forza <laughs> for me personally, uh, being this close to Forza Horizon. But go play it. It is 100% free to play. If you love it, you have the whole game, you know, you carry over that progress. It's an extreme sport, Ubisoft open world game that, as we talk about a lot on the show, it's not violence, it's racing. And, you know, but it still has that Ubisoft open world pleasure of checking everything off a map kind of thing where it's like, Oh my gosh, I'm in the Sequoias. Uh, now <laughs> it has like every national park within a map, basically. And you 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 fast travel to them. And it, it's uh, real nice. So go download it. And we can all talk about it together on the Discord or on the subreddit because it's an easy recommend as a free download. And people have plenty of time to do it when they listen to this to get that first four hours in. It's Writer's Republic. All right, so I caved... I caved and, uh, you know, one of my really good friends kept telling me to get Metroid Dread. I know and where this so is going. Go ahead. I have to say thank you, Danish. Thank you. <laughs> For pushing me over the, over the hump. I purchased it. I purchased, I spent the 60 bucks on my Switch, downloaded Metroid Dread, uh, and I've barely scratched the surface of the game, so I, I'm not prepared. I'll, I'll talk about it more next. Never mind. Week. I'm going to talk about Riders Republic some more. Yeah. Then I no, saw this on the list. No, no I appreciate <laughs> you making time for for VR talk, which I'm going to get to. But um, never mind. Never mind. Riders Republic is. <laughs> but I think this is. I mean, this is exactly what we've been what we were talking about all through the news segment when we were talking about release dates in February and this feeling, this need to play everything. I am in it right now. Right. I still haven't finished Deathloop. I've got Metroid Dread now that. I, I want to play through. I still haven't finished uh, Lone Echo 2. I have, well, there's like two or three other huge games that I feel like I want to finish. And just more stuff keeps coming out. We're going to have uh, Guardians of the Galaxy next week. It's like, it's, it, it, who has who has time? It's almost like there are. You know what I mean? Get it right when you queue it up for yourself, you big jerk. <laughs> <laughs> you never listen. I always edit it so it sounds like it worked perfectly. Why would I listen when I do it live? I know. Well, you, know, you can't make fun of me when everyone thinks that I did it perfectly every time. Now you're going to edit out me calling you a big jerk and only the you're, live audience knows. You're darn right I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I have played, I don't know, the first half an hour of Metroid Dread. And, you know, I, I will just only comment on um, how pretty it is. It's real pretty. Yeah, the, the frame rate does go a long way in making it um yeah making it really pop uh and and kudos to them for making that a priority because they didn't have to right um game could have been fine at at a lower frame rate but it it it's real pretty um but i will talk more about metroid dread just know i bought it i bought it and i've got it now and so it will be in, in consideration for game of the year for me um you know i i i don't know if it's going to be my jam quite frankly but I'm I'm ready to be won over by my nostalgia and or the brilliance of this particular version. Can, so, can I? Uh, I just want to, to speak to Metroid Dread for a moment because sure. I've been playing it, and I, I like you wasn't sure it was going to be my dread, uh, my my dread, my jam. It, it was. Your dread. Dread. It was. Like it turns that. out it was my dread. Uh, <laughs> one of the things I think that was useful to me uh, in, in approaching Metroid Dread was, first of all, realizing that the genre of Metroidvanias should actually be called Castlevanioids, 
because they're more mm. Castlevania than Metroid. Generally it's such a speaking. better term too. A Castlevanioid. It sounds like you know an yeah. opioid or fight a, because Metroid was doing it long before Castlevania ever did. But go ahead. <laughs> second, second, I would, a better term. It just sounds cooler. I, I, I do like the sound of that term. It's a terrible uh, portmanteau, Metroidvania. That's awful. It's one one of the ones the entire so world, word in it, and then half of the other word. It's just poorly constructed. Well, to be fair, my couple name with my wife, people do call us Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's um, true. The, the second big thing with it is I think – I think you need to 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 think about it. The, th- the thing that surprised me the most is how close it is to a game like Limbo, rather than mm. I, I, I was sort of expecting the 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 like full platformery type of experience, but it actually feels in practice a lot more like like a Limbo or an Inside. Which, if I if I recall, I believe those are games that were very much your jam. Yes, and I think, that's true. And I think yes. I think you can think about Metroid Dread as as a limbo as like as having something similar to limbo in, in terms Interesting. of uh it's a lot of like approaching i found that like most of the spaces in dread are they're very puzzle like in certain ways like mm. you have to sort of know this thing is there here's where i need to run here's how i need to maneuver through things i think that's going to go a long way to maybe helping you uh get through any sort of mental obstacles you might have I do like that shift. That's an interesting uh, shift of expectation. So I appreciate that. I will report back uh, next week as also uh, a million other things are on my plate to play. Uh, but yeah, I want to hear about Black Book too. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, come on. So many things. So many things. <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what I've been putting a lot of time into. It's VR. Virtual reality. VR. Virtual reality. That's right. The playtime for Lone Echo 2 is still uh, captivating me. I, I, I'm uh, still gushing about Lone Echo 2. Oh, you know what? I meant to say before we even got to the VR segment, uh, it, it just uh, reiterate what listeners of the show already know, but maybe you ha- didn't hear me say, Rich, which is uh, if you like uh, card-based games, I would definitely recommend Inscription. You heard of that game? Inscription. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, incredible. Incredible. Amanda game. and uh, Glendon on Gamers with Jobs conference call just talked about that. And it sounds incredible. Uh, absolutely it's incredible. So good. Yeah. All right. Um, so I won't gush again about Lone Echo 2. I, I will talk more about that game when I have completed it. But I will tell you about a game that I picked up this week on Oculus Quest 2, which is the just released Resident Evil 4 VR uh, port, I guess, what you would call it. Um, Resident Evil 4, of course, has is, is one of those games like Skyrim that's been ported to everything. It's, it's had an appearance on so many different platforms at this point. Uh, I think I've played Resident Evil 4, at least the first like hour of Resident Evil 4, I've played <laughs> a lot of times because, you know, I played through the whole game when it was first released. Uh, but then I, you know, I had to test it as, as various iterations as it was released on all these different platforms. Uh, and um, I was very interested to see how it played in VR. The answer is mostly very good with some caveats. This is definitely a port of Resident Evil 4, which is an old game. 
and this game looks like an old game. That's probably part of the reason why they could bring it to Oculus Quest 2. Uh, it's because it's not, you know, Oculus Quest 2 obviously is running on a Snapdragon processor. It's, it's you know, a mobile processor. It's not going to be uh, doing ray tracing on stuff in, in VR. Um, so the game looks very dated, but also it's dated in a way that it's an actually a dated game. So it's not, you know, you're stepping back in time and you're watching this um, this older game that is also very familiar, at least was familiar to me. It's also a game that's built around a lot of cutscenes, And the only way they're able to do cutscenes, or at least the only way they have done cutscenes uh, in this VR version is to sort of present them on a giant movie theater screen in a room, this virtual room you're standing in with this giant screen upon which they're playing the, the cutscene, And oftentimes that can be pretty jarring because most of the game is played in first person with your hands actually doing stuff and you're, you know, pulling your gun off your hip and you're pulling your knife off your chest and your backpack is in your back where your inventory is. And it's got all those trappings of, of great first person VR games where you can, you know, utilize motion to accomplish things. But then you, anytime you're in a cutscene, which can be quite frequent, like you can walk through a door and then it'll go to a cutscene. And in a video, in a traditional 2D video game, that transition is relatively seamless because you're playing on 2D and then it just kind of transitions to, to you know, showing you the game world from a different perspective. Here, it's much more jarring and I, th- I think kind of pulls you out of the immersion uh, frequently because it's not just like between chapters that you'll see a cutscene. There'll be a, a cutscene from just walking through a door or opening a chest or something. And, and like uh, some enemy encounters. Like how, yeah. So cause some yeah. of those in game, in old game, were cutscenes. Are they cutscenes or do they redo that when like... Mostly they're cutscenes. Um, they even like, it'll be a, a weird thing. Like you'll do a, um, a kick, you know, sometimes the, the zombie will be on you and you can kick them off of you, which... I think physically, because it's like a roundhouse kick in the game, it would yeah. probably you know make people vomit. It 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 actually breaks back into a third person view, and then it shows uh-huh. that animation, then puts you back in. So there's, you know, they get around some things in in kind of clumsy ways, which is unfortunate. But I will say, there's actually a lot of work done on making the game transition into VR in really cool ways. There's a lot of physical stuff, you know, breaking boxes. You're actually physically breaking the boxes. Um, you know, v- very early on in the game, you you come upon a dog that's trapped in a bear trap, you know, uh, and you literally reach down with your hands and pry the trap open to let the dog out. Like that kind of stuff. Who let the dog out? I, 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 I <laughs> let the dog out. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but you know, there's a lot of physical stuff like saving the game. You know how you save the game uh, on a typewriter in in the Resident Evil world. Um, well, it cre- it loads up a virtual reality typewriter, like old school typewriter with individual buttons for the letters. And if you want to title your save game, you reach down with your fingers and type on the typewriter. Oh, that's and type cool. The name. Super cool. That's cool. Super cool. That stuff is like awesome. That. Um, and you know the shooting and the combat, I find to be really satisfying and and fun um it you know uh, breaking stuff running away from enemies dealing with enemies on all sides you know them throwing things at you and being able to dodge them physically dodging them you know there's a lot of enemies that throw axes and stuff um 
it's it's all really well done and really cool and the the game world is creepy and interesting i mean i'm playing in full um no assist well that's not true not completely no assist but but i'm in full you know smooth movement uh, i have the you know turning snapping to 30 degree turning um every time i move the the stick but mostly i'm smooth movement with no teleportation no vignetting and it's really cool to like you know wander into a room and there's uh, around the corner and then you see the zombie come out it's a very effective and very very fun i mean hard not to compare it to resident evil 7 in vr which is a visual master i mean it's incredibly uh photo real almost in in vr it's very cool not even remotely close to that experience right but also Resident Evil 4 is a much more kind of run and gun shootery type of experience than than 7 is and that's really fun in VR. I mean, you, you know, swapping between weapons is really cool. I pull my gun off my hip, I fire a few rounds, I just let my hand go and it you know shoots back to my hip. I pull out my knife when I need to from my chest. Um it's all it, it's all really kind of slick and the, there's physical puzzles like pu- pulling things out, placing things places is all physical and cool. It's not just push X to do a thing. Uh, dealing with your inventory, all the menuing has been remade, so it's a little more interesting. Uh, so I think they've done a a fairly good job. They just didn't go over the full boat and like reimagine the fundamental back, you know, uh, scaffolding of the game to uh, to suit VR. But I, I kind of can't expect that either with a game this old. I think they did a a lot of work with it, and it's. It's a neat way to experience this game. If you've never played Resident Evil 4, it's a pretty great way to be inside that game world instead of just looking at it on a 2D screen. So I'm digging I, it. I wonder on for RE4, I guess precursor question. Did you play, did you put time into um Saints and Sinners, um Walking Dead Saints and Sinners? I did. I I I don't know. I I played maybe two hours of it. Um so very little time, but I just checked it out. I, I I mean, that game is visceral and, and and gnarly. I mean, much more than this one. You know, you're literally like, if you stab something in that game, you yeah. have to like pry the knife out of it. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty wild. And if you stab something in that game, you stab it in real life also. So there's actually somebody who gets hurt. Uh, yeah, it makes a, it a much more visceral experience. That's a, you know, you, you question yourself a lot when you weird play that stipulation, game. but you know, it says sinners right there in the title. I don't know what you expect. I was just wondering like the tech detached from the nostalgia of re4 and i have not played re i don't have a quest to um the stats from detached from the nostalgia of re4 kind of what delivers on that kind of promise of you know spooky season vr game because saints and sinners was built for vr and i think did a lot right i ended up bouncing off of it as like the rpg elements became i think for some very rewarding for me like going back to my camp and respecting i just kind of wanted to stab people in my house uh as rich mentioned uh way more um (laughs) yeah you wanted to cause pain yeah thank you max pain three um good shooting mechanic in that game um (laughs) but it was like built for vr so it did all those things and i'm curious that you know if you have any comparison point between the two i think states and centers is the superior vr product uh, in a lot of ways much more visually interesting um uh, you know prettier game this is hey, experience this classic in a whole new way. The whole new way feels whole and new. I mean, it really does feel 
like a revolutionary way to experience this old game, but it still feels like an old game. Um, Got it. But, but I think that, I think it's really, a, I think it's really cool, especially if you're a big RE4 fan. You've got an Oculus Quest 2 and you're, you know, you want to revisit that game world or experience it for the first time. It's a pretty neat way to do it. Um, I, I came away feeling pretty positive about it. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't compare to a game built from the ground up for VR. I don't think, no. But I, there's a lot of reasons to be excited. I, I mean, especially if you have an Oculus, right? Because uh, Lone Echo 2, Resident Evil 4, both exclusive to that platform. So if you've got a Quest 2, you can play Lone Echo 2 tethered if you have a PC that can handle it. And you can play Resident Evil 4 untethered. Or uh, airlinked, I, right? Airlinked to a Quest 2 also. It's like it's an official... Yeah. Or to your Quest, I should say. You have to buy it on your PC. It's not on your Quest store, but you right. can still play it wire- if you have like good you know, wireless routing. And you got to have the, the computer that can handle uh, Lone Echo 2, yeah. which is a pretty beefy computer requirement. But, I mean, that game is... It, it's also hard going to Resident Evil 4 from Lone Echo 2, where you go, <laughs> sure. man, this is like what VR is capable of right now. And then RE4 is like, this is what VR is capable of if you take a game from 1998. <laughs> <You know? laughs> a gamecube exclusive a built for the gamecube game yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh anyway i think it's cool that they did it and, and i'm hoping they do more of them i, I i'm be curious to see if they do more older games on quest 2 uh like that i think that's kind of a neat way to you know we're seeing remakes remasters i'd love vrifications of of older games and here's the first first one that i know of um I hope there's more because I think it's a cool way to revisit these old games. And like I said, a fresh way where you're, you're inside, you're inside it. Um, so yeah, that's RE4 on quest two. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those, but rich love joy. Thank you so much for being here. It's been so much fun catching up with you again. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. I had a blast. It's really, really made my weekend and it's a tough time out in the world. And I, I really appreciate uh, being able to share awesome stuff with you guys. Oh, absolutely. It's, it is our privilege to have you. Tell folks where they can catch up with all the things that you put out into the world. I am at the Harpo Marxist, all one word on Twitter. That's also my Twitch handle. That is where I am on the Gamers with Jobs forums as well. I'm a co-host on Gamers with Jobs conference call. Uh, So you can catch last week's guest Amanda and I on that show uh, every Wednesday on your uh, podcast app of choice. Very cool. Yeah, it was cool to have the two of you back to back uh, these two weeks. Um, and we are big fans of gamers with jobs. So kudos. Well, we'd love to have you guys on. We could do, you know, slumber party DLC yeah, gamers sure. with jobs, slumber party. Come on love by it. and gotta happen. Gotta happen. Christian Spicer. What do you got going on this week? Twitter is always the best way at Spicer S P I C E R. I typically stream this very show that you're listening to right now. DLC live on my Twitch, which you can find at twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. We typically record Sundays at 7.15 p.m. Pacific time. This episode was an exception. And I think next week's episode, because that falls on Halloween, will also have a different recording time. But Twitter will be the best way to find out about that as well. And then I have a currently neglected, because I have been working on a a bunch of other writing. Um, But I have a newsletter that I am going to get back to because... One of those other things didn't happen. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> it was it was a week, friends. It was a week. Um, but you can subscribe to that newsletter at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. And I write long form about video games and it's 100% free to uh, go hit up. Jeff, uh, congrats on 100. Thank also, you. By the way, yeah, now the that dungeon it's in the books. Yeah, Dungeon yeah. Run episode oh, wow. 100 this week, which ended up uh, being a super extra long. We almost went five hours, uh, which is pretty pretty bonkers. But it was, so it was uh, 100 and 101, basically. You yeah. Did, um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, as I was in it, I was like, "Do we split these into two episodes?" But uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's cool. It was cool, and I think a really special episode we had this amazing song that was created by fans that I just brought everybody to tears. It, it, um, it was a special episode. And I think a really, really cool one and a great jumping on point. If you've never checked out my long form dungeons and dragons show, I know I said five hours is probably scary. You don't have to, there's a lot of other stuff and you can listen to it as an audio podcast. If you want, it's a, it's a great show that I'm very, very proud of. Um, storytelling writing that I do to create this game world and bring these, these players through. So, uh, check out the dungeon run. You can find it on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run or YouTube or as a podcast. Uh, we stream on Wednesday night, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Oh, and I should mention, we just had the hundreds episode this next week. Uh, Wednesday will be this very special, uh, Halloween episode that we pre-recorded. That's going to be lots of goofy fun and uses this crazy tech, this virtual studio that we partnered with this company to, to make, um, it, you gotta see it to believe it. It's wild. So check that out on Wednesday. Uh, this Wednesday, uh, what's that date of this Wednesday? Uh, the 27th? 27th, yeah, 27th of October at twitch.tv slash the dungeon run. Uh, I also do the slash film cast, or not, it's not called that anymore, the film cast, uh, where we talk about movies and TV shows, hard to break habit that you've been doing for a decade. Um, the, the film cast uh, you can find uh, as a podcast as well. Uh, we're talking about Dune this week, which is... Uh, going to be you'll, you'll enjoy the conversation it's a, it's a great one uh and i also do uh, we have concerns which is the comedy science show where you can learn something and laugh along the way we have concerns.com for that and uh, my sports show uh fan controlled football show um which changes its name every single week based on what the fans decide the show is called you can find that at twitch.tv slash fcf on thursdays 3 p.m pacific all right Let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Rich, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week? Yeah, I think my suggestions so far haven't eaten enough time. So I've got, I've got some more things for everybody. Uh, I actually have a twofer. Um, which I apologize for in advance. It's just, it's been, like Christian said, it's been a, a week. And there were two things in particular that kind of pulled me out of my own personal funk this week. The first thing is a fiction podcast called Give Me Away. It is by Mac Rogers. Um, it is a sci-fi podcast that I think is just if you're into genre stuff it's digestible 30 minute episode style podcast there's only nine total uh, episodes so it's all out you can listen to the entire series right now it's a great just put it on while you're doing the dishes there's always more dishes to do um and it's a really powerful story especially for 
people who might be fathers, I think are, I, I'm not a dad, but I, I think there's a lot in this that's going to be of interest to people who, who are dads or, or who have dads. So that's everybody really right. I think I just, I think I just Venn diagrammed the entire <laughs> world there. Um, so like, that's part of it. Um, if you're into like alien sci-fi stuff that hits on some heady themes, like this does that it's a real, uh, just a real masterclass, uh, performances all around like the acting is great in this and even if you're not a fan of audio dramas I'd, I'd say just just check this out give me away um really like compelling stuff especially at this moment in time I don't want to spoil anything which is why I'm dancing around what it's about because hmm. it's really one of those things that's plot based cool this the second thing I want to recommend is a YouTube video I found from uh, somebody named St. Andrew. Uh, the, his, his YouTube name is St. Andrewism about the psychology of collapse. And I found this to be really, oh, it just like, it helps you kind of realize where we are. It, it, it's It's talking about like how people mentally navigate just a society that seems to have an overwhelming amount of problems to address and no clear solutions and sort of what happens to us as we, as we exist in this space, it's only 20 minutes. Um, St. Andrew's voice and very being are just very beautiful, calming and assuring. And it's, it's something that, that I think was a little bit of a life, uh, uh, life vest to me, just, just hearing it be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. This, it makes sense. These things that you, I think we've all been feeling, they make a lot of sense. It's okay to feel that. And there is a, a grounded, reasonable way to move forward, um, together with the people around you. And, and I think it's a, it's a really beautiful video that uh, I think is, it will help somebody right now it's great because we're all kind of like ha ah, right now right like, yeah no I, I mean i've just been using ice cream right christian yeah that's <laughs> yeah so it's nice to have maybe a video to show give you some yeah, other eat options. the ice eat the ice cream while you you watch the video yeah no that's great psychological uh, psychology of collapse and give me away christian spicer what is your parting gift well, I'm going to take Rich's idea of doing multiples and I'll raise him one. I have three. Oh, it's also, it's been, they'll be short. They'll be you're short. Here it's every been a week. week. You're, you're pace yourself, I, dude, Christian. Pace yourself. This week, this week was, you know, they've all been, it's been 18 months of weeks, but this week, my dear friend, was a week. Um, uh, be safe with this one, but late night walks. I love a late mm. night walk. Um, that's been very uh, beneficial. For me, this past week, I, I often do them. I have a problem sleeping anyway. But late night walks, I love the sound of a city or your neighborhood. Your, I love the sound of your neighborhood at night. Um, <laughs> I'm late night walking right behind you. <laughs> I, I, as somebody who, who lives in Brooklyn, when you say you love the sound of my neighborhood at night, I have to be like, really? <laughs> well, I my neighborhood? I'm, I'm visiting. I'm, I'm visiting, so it's fun and it's eccentric for me. Christian I want to live do... there, but it's great. You, you thought he said late night walks. He said late night stalks. Stocks. It is October. <laughs> <laughs> late night walks don't look behind you. Um, I, I do love a late night walk. Uh, and this next one is a an anti. I don't know. I love horror. Um, I loved the most recent Halloween. Halloween kills. Oh, I had fun with it, dude. I got to admit, I had fun no. with it. But okay, I, I look forward to being invited on the film cast, which is the only one I'll be invited on to anymore. Or no, the slash film cast. <laughs> I still get slash film cast invites. Yeah. I don't get film cast invites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> and then not to spoil, I won't get as in depth as you all will, but Dune, um, what a treat. What a, a, a it's beautiful. I got, um, Blade Runner feelings from it, both Blade Runners, um, same director for me in one, terms yeah. of how it, how it hit. And I think it's uh, well worth the watch. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. It'll Villeneuve you. <laughs> All right. Um, my parting gift is um, what I will say without any kind of irony or uh, I don't even think it's hyperbole. I, I think it's one of the greatest pieces of fiction I have ever witnessed. And it is called Midnight Mass. It is on Netflix. It is a masterpiece, I think. I think it is, um, it's one of those things, I, you know, I'm somebody that writes and creates. It's one of those things where you watch it and you go, I, wh- what's the point? Like, th- if somebody can work at this level, I mean, I, it is a flawless piece of fiction. It is so gobsmackingly good. I can't even wrap my head around it. Um, Midnight Mass, watch it. It is... <laughs> staggering staggering it'll make you think it'll move you it'll it, it, it is smart and interesting and and it's one of those things where it presents an idea and it's like this is so obviously brilliant how has no one ever done this before and yet no one has midnight mass in crap i'm that's jumping right to the top of my queue now yeah uh, that's, I, yeah I that sounds uh my highest possible recommendation i think it is among the finest like I said, pieces of fiction I've ever seen. It's uh, immediately one of my favorite television shows of all time. It is, it is a flawless work. It is unbelievable. Um, all right. We got a listener suggested parting gift. Uh, this was sent to us by Brad to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Brad says, I have a suggestion for a parting gift. I was a huge comic book fan growing up, but like Jeff, I was a Marvel zombie. This means I completely missed the Sandman books from Neil Gaiman. As a fan of audiobooks, I recently decided to give the Sandman audiobook a try. And the reviews were great, and I had always heard great things about the comic, and I wasn't disappointed. It's probably the best audiobook I've ever experienced. The cast is stellar, with James McAvoy as Morpheus, Riz Ahmed, Taron Egerton, Kat Dennings, and many other voicing the characters. Neil Gaiman eloquently narrates the story in his soothing voice. The music and audio design are amazing, and it's amazing how well they brought over a visual medium into an audio format. I have nothing but positive things to say about it. The good thing is, the first audiobook came out a while ago, and Act 2 was recently released. So there's plenty to catch up on. Please check them out. Thanks for the great show, Brad. Shout out to friend of the show, Philippe Bosher, who's also in that audiobook. Oh, nice. Uh, and, yeah. And Sandman, among other Sandman. cool stuff he's doing. Yeah. One of the greats. One of the great comic book series. Uh, I read it way too young. <laughs> way <laughs> too young. Uh, but uh, I'm, it's glad, I'm, I had no idea the audiobook was so good. So thanks, Brad, for letting us know that. If you'd like to yeah. have your parting gift read on the show, email it to us. DLCfeedback at gmail.com is where you send them. We appreciate it. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Rich Lovejoy and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to our live audience for hanging out with all of us, making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. 
And thanks to each and every one of you who download the show and give us your time. We are grateful. And we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.